good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spider. So uh, first off, a huge, I mean, enormous thank you to everyone who ventured over to the new podcast website. I explained the story how I signed up for this ages ago and just for some reason or another didn't get it. I had some things I wanted to do to it. I wanted to play around with it. We finally put it up. I announced it. And then what ends up happening? Everybody that comments, I can't see the comments. It was a mess up in the site. So I would get an email saying somebody commented. It would have the comment. It would say approve and respond. So I'm like, awesome. So I clicked the approve and respond button and it would go to a blank page. So I emailed the person that runs the site and they have been on podium has been amazing. I have never experienced customer service like this ever. And this isn't, again, a paid plug. It's just when I use something and I'm happy with it, I like to talk about it. But I emailed him literally within 10 minutes he got back to me he was like yep looks like something on our end I'll get on it and he had it fixed within that was like several hours but it got done very quickly and I was able to respond so for a moment there I was in sheer panic because I waited so long to talk about this site that I really wanted it to work and I wanted people to give it a shot and I figured some people would be like eh, I don't know and some people would go on and if it didn't work and they put their comment up and couldn't see it they're like well I'm not using this it doesn't work so anyway it's definitely working now because I received a ton of comments on it. It was neat. It was like for the first time, and that's something I've been kind of missing from the YouTube aspect of things. When I put a video up on YouTube, I get comments. And I, again, they take a while. It takes me a while to get back to them usually because I get a few of them. But it, it kind of opens up a dialogue about it. I don't want it ever to feel like just me talking. I want to hear what other people have to say. Do you agree? Do you disagree? A lot of time, it, nicely, and, and thank gosh, most of the time people agree with what I'm saying. And if they don't, we have a nice little dialogue over it. And that's been missing from the podcast. It's like I put them out there. And again, we put them up on Facebook, but I'm not on Facebook all that much. Like I don't interact the way I probably should. It's just not my thing. So I wanted a way that I could just pop the other, the other good thing is that like I can pop it open when I have like my lunch break at work and go through it where I can't get on Facebook. So anyway, I want to thank Lily, Brian, Charlotte, Jamie, Adam, Kieran, Lee, Kristen, Will, Miles, Mark, Russ, Janelle, Chenin, and Mosami for posting on the site, going on, leaving a comment. It was a long time. The quality, it's funny because I've mentioned before that the, the there's a difference in the audience, not completely, there's some overlap, but there is a difference in the overall audience between folks that watch YouTube videos and folks that will invest that much time listening to podcasts. And it was readily apparent when the comments came in, because a lot of times on YouTube, there's this funny thing where you put a video up and it's a 20 minute video. And after the video being up for a minute, somebody will come on and go, that video was awesome. Great stuff. And I look at him like, I do appreciate the comments because it does help, you know, get the video out there. It, it shows YouTube that people are interested in it. So I do appreciate it. And I don't want it to sound like I'm not appreciative. But I also spend a lot of time putting these things together. And it's nice to know that they were actually watched. So a lot of times you get very quick comments. And I appreciate it. And I'm not anybody that's on the YouTube side of it. Believe me, I, I'll take anything I can get. However, the comments on the podcast side were so much longer and thought out, and it just shows the difference in mentality there, which I thought was very interesting. Not surprising, honestly, but very interesting. So originally, what my my I figured maybe a handful, two or three people would come over and check out the site and post a comment and upvote a video, and then I would take those three comments and read them just as kind of a thank you. And, and that's the other thing I want with the comments is more... We're going to probably begin podcasts from now on going back to the previous episodes. I've been doing it a while and I like it. I like it. It keeps them flowing together and it allows for people to have a say in it. And this will give me a platform to pull from for those. So my original plan was to take like the, the three people that responded and read their their messages and respond to them as a thank you. But 
I ended up with like 15 or 16. So unfortunately, that would take an entire podcast. So I'm going to have to kind of pick some that I just think kind of illustrate what I was talking about. But in the future, that's what we'll do. We'll pick some comments from there and go from there. So don't please, if you're not one of the ones I choose, I I think hopefully it shows in the fact that I took the time to respond to every single one of them. And thoughtfully, they were all great comments. It's just uh, keeping time in mind, we, I can't go through them all. So I do want to thank all of them. And I did get a new domain name for it, so it's easy to remember, so that folks, hopefully, because I do have the links that you can click, but while people are listening to the podcast, they go, oh, I can pop over. But I know a lot of people are not listening on devices that can do that. So I tried to make it easy. It's Tom's Big Spiders Podcast. That's going to be what you put into the search bar, www.tomsbigspiderspodcast.com, if you want to get to the On Podium site, which will have, it's nice. It has the all of the podcast episodes I've done. It has the last, I said, I think I said last time it was like 20. It's a lot more than 20. A lot of current videos, which I love because sometimes I will mention a video and say, hey, if you want to check it out, now there's one place where you can sit there, listen to the podcast, go, all right, I want to check the video out. I'm just loving it so far. I've been saying for a while, this is something that's been missing. And I feel like now we've got that component and it just feels, I don't know, to me, it just feels more interactive, which is what I've always wanted. So to move on to the comments, we had some awesome ones. Again, I it was tough because I originally... I, <laughs> I had like six I was going to go over, and I'm like, by the time I discuss them and go through them, it's going to, it, it will be done. It'll be an hour mark, and I mean, unless we start doing like one one week is a podcast, next week is all their comments, I don't really want to go that route, but anyway, there are a couple that I really think kind of nailed what I was going for and brought up some interesting perspectives that I maybe didn't think about. So the first one we're going to read is from my buddy Adam Guess, and Adam and I definitely think very much alike. I, I, I think we started chatting a year ago, maybe more, a couple of years ago, Adam, and just very similar mindsets on the hobby and how to present them. And especially he has a YouTube channel, Ads Arachnids, which is fantastic. I would definitely encourage you to check it out. It's one that I watch because I just, I like how he does. He cracks me the heck up. And he's, he presents it in a very realistic way. Like, here's where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, if you, you know, it just, I like his approach. But on the males aspect of it, he says, I haven't had many males mature out among my gang yet. Not fair, Adam. But I, like yourself, can see both sides. I don't anthropomorphize to the degree some I see in the hobby. However, I value my animals to the extreme and feel incredibly connected to them as the person responsible for their care and for their well-being, while also acknowledging what an absolute huge benefit to my life they have been and how privileged I am to keep them. I'm so glad you've brought up the irresponsible, uncaring breeding practices that get dumped on YouTube by people who make immediate excuses for not monitoring the breeding properly and treat live animals as disposable. I understand that it can inevitably happen, but I would never send one of my males off to somebody who values their content views more than the animal's life. Don't even get me started on the trend of these attention-deprived, clickbait, hankering jabronis, I love it, who will happily weaponize the death of an animal to create a tabloid newspaper-level thumbnail for their did-he-survive or she-ate-him YouTube video. Don't forget the additional step of taking a selfie of their very best sad face to slap on the half-image to ensure we realize that despite nonchalantly using an animal's death for internet popularity, they are in fact very upset and genuinely nice people who, despite having their faux grief-stricken face, sad emoji, exaggerated face bomb, plastered over half the thumbnail, they definitely aren't putting their fame above their duty of care and definitely love their animals. I struggle to hold my sarcasm sometimes. Let it go, buddy. This is a language I speak in. I have to tone it down for these, but I love that I can kind of like have you speak vicariously for me. On the flip side, however, I will definitely be sending my rarer species off to breed if they grow up male. I definitely feel a sense of responsibility to get species that I'm lucky enough to be able to afford into the hands of more keepers. 
Adam, I seriously couldn't have said it better myself. I do think I, I, I do. I too dabble in sarcasm. I'm one of the most sarcastic individuals on the planet. Honestly, it's just I can't really do it through my videos, and it just doesn't work. But to hear somebody say it, just this whole thing made me giggle because it's how I feel. It drives me absolutely nuts. Not only is it incredibly obvious to me that. They are using that. They're not protecting it because it makes for that sensationalistic thumbnail. I, I love that you described the, the sad faces and the shock faces. I see those things and they make me want to puke because that's, a, oh, look, I loved it, but I just let it die for no reason. And now I'm going to get a bunch of views from it. And I know sometimes it seems to me like the people are just too busy filming. I don't think they want the male to die. I don't think that's a desired outcome, but I've seen many videos. I'm not going to say the species because it'll be blatantly obvious whose video I'm talking about in this one, but it really disappointed me because it was, it was a keeper that I have some respect for and they dropped the mail in and there was a point where there wasn't any, it, it was over. The, the action was done and the individual went to change the camera angle and the female went, grabbed the male and killed it. Like, oh, that was unavoidable. Bull. It was completely avoidable. You were playing with your camera. So that stuff drives me nuts because A, it shows another example of folks putting the animal second, putting their popularity, their YouTube popularity first. And B, a lot of the people that are watching these types of videos are not in the tarantula hobby, might be wooed into joining the tarantula hobby, and they enter with that idea that males are disposable. That's where it comes from. And I can't tell you over the years how many people have told me, yeah, I'm going to breed my male. I know he's going to die. And I'm like, no, he's not. Here's some, and I'll share some. I don't put up a lot of my breeding footage. But you can see me sitting there. A lot of times it's just terrible footage because I put it on a tripod and then the tripod, I won the tripod got knocked over. I've had my son record it before. Sometimes, a lot of times when I'm doing breeding, nobody's home. So if I've, I had one where I dropped it on the floor, the first, my first priority is always the spiders. And unfortunately with YouTube, that's not usually the case. Not to say all, I'm sure there's some out there that do a nice job. I have seen, I love when I see a video on YouTube where you can tell the person's got it up on a tripod or they've got somebody, I, I watched one not that long ago, I think his wife was holding the, the camera for him and he broke that thing up quick and I didn't think he was going to get him apart and he did it. It was great. So why do we do that? Well, here's an anecdote for you guys that I couldn't wait to share because after the podcast last week, I decided it was time to try to pair my Formictibus erratus again. I have a male that I got from my buddy Charles, beautiful male, and I have two females and I really kill to reproduce Formictibus. I have to be very picky in what I reproduce and what I choose to do for breeding projects because breeding takes time. So, Long story short, last time I went to pair them, it was one of the most violent pairings that went on for about an hour. They would approach, the male would tap a little bit, they would touch legs, and then the female and them would go at it to the point where I'd get in there with the brushes and try to split them up. And then they did again. And then the last time I thought he was going to get insertion, he was reaching, he was trying to get underneath, and she started to fold him over, and they got into like a death grip. And I had basically one end of the brush in between her front legs and tried to get one of her pedipalps in there so she couldn't sink her fangs or out. She was trying to sink her fangs in. One of the fangs scraped against the end of the brush. Uh, the other one, I was trying to hold the male back and keep him out of the way. The male got away and she actually chased him. So I ended up putting down a cup in between them to keep her from getting them and then ushered the male out of the way and saved the male. Now, somebody might go, well, why didn't you just let him go? Because I don't think it took. He didn't get in. Well, here's why. A, I have two females. So if he gets eaten with the first female I'm going to pair him to, now I can't pair him with the other one. So sure, if he got eaten by her, if he got insertion, we've heard the argument that when they, the females eat the males, they often have larger sacs. And that's awesome. But I don't think that's going to be as much as, say, two spiders having sacs. With two spiders, you got even more chances of babies. Uh, so the other thing is, 
that it failed. He didn't. I went back, watched the footage. He never got close enough. She would have eaten him before he could have gotten insertion. So we would have had a dead male. We would have had a female that I, two females that I couldn't pair. If I was that type of YouTuber, I guess I would have some good footage that I could put up of the male being slaughtered, and I could put up one of those titles like, does he live? Oh my God, she ate him or something like that, whatever, but I'm not into that. So I would have been left with nothing. What is the point? However, because I was able to intervene, I mean, they were, I don't know if anybody out there has tried to separate. I mean, he's about seven inches, seven and a half inches, maybe. She's a good eight inches. That's a lot of fun getting in there between the flash of fangs and legs. It's it's not fun to do. And I think that's another thing that a lot of people that are breeding aren't at that point yet where they feel comfortable enough doing that. It's, it can be kind of intimidating getting in between two large spiders that seem to be intent on destroying each other. At least one's intent on destroying the other one. So what happened was I was able, after the podcast, to pair them again. And I did post up, I did one of the video shorts because it ended up being probably close to 45 minutes of footage. And it was a lot of him approaching her. She was the one this time that was a little less into it, and he was kind of pursuing her, they came together a little bit, he would try to go for insertion, she would walk away, he goes, so finally, he gets her, he actually, she falls over on her back onto the substrate, he gets on top of her, and it looked like, if you look in the video, you can kind of see where he, he gets him in there, I think, I'm hoping, and then they split up, and then there was a little of him kind of pursuing her around, she wanted nothing to do with it, so I split him up, so we might have had, we'll see, I don't know yet, we might have had a good pairing this time, that would not have been responsible if I had just sat there the first time, and with my camera, getting the really good shots, and not tried to intervene, so that's why we do it, people forget that one male can be used to fertilize a lot of different females' eggs, why not use it when we get the opportunity, so Adam, back to your comment. Awesome comment. Agree wholeheartedly. And I take it, you know, again, I really try my best to keep them separated. And now I got the offspring song stuck in my head. But I think I wish more people would do that because it would mean those males would get to spread their genes even more. You send the male off the breed, you want to spread his genes as much as he can. And I agree. This is what people think about when they send their males off. They think about, like, I'm attached to this animal. I don't know who's going to get this animal and how they're going to treat it. So with that in mind, I have one more comment I want to read. This one's from Osami Rai. I hope I pronounced it right. Thank you for the podcast episode. This episode really hit home for me. My first spider, not tarantula. Well, second one was a gorgeous sex female oresis. Walkinary. I named her Lily and she helped me through a difficult time in my life. I am absolutely in love with her. She molted and I was so excited and she promptly molted again. She was bright red and my heart sank. So for those out there, she's got it. Her, her, she is a he. As beautiful as he still was and I still love him, I knew the life expectancy of a male oresis. I didn't know what to do. I wanted to keep him and make sure he was comfortable till he passed, but he wasn't eating anymore. He restlessly paced his enclosure, desperately trying to push the top open. It broke my heart. Lily will always have a special place in my heart, and I couldn't see him suffer like this anymore. I reached out to my spider dealer who helped me find a female for him, and by the gods, it was hard. Hardly anyone had a mature female. Sending Lily off the breed was the hardest thing. I felt like a horrible person sending him off to be executed. The female killed him. I didn't even want to know if the mating took. I've asked for the body back so I can preserve it, but I wonder if that's a bad idea, and I probably don't want to see it. I regret sending him to someone I personally couldn't vet. I regret sending him away, and no matter how much I tell myself it's for the best, and Arisa's walking area are rare, and it's practically my duty to make sure he breeds before he died, but I still hate myself so much for it. I'm struggling with the choice I made. Lily was so special to me, and I hate that I sent him to die. I have his old molts, and I put them inside lockets. 
This episode was a little hard to listen to. I imagine it was a bit hard emotionally to research and record, too. I apologize for the long self-loathing rant. Lily was an angel, and he deserved a better end. So this one's really interesting, because this one falls, and I correspond a lot with Musami Rai on YouTube. She's always, I believe she is always commenting on the videos. Somebody that really cares about the spiders. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people out there, and you know who you are, are reading this going, oh, come on, it's it's a spider. But we, a lot of folks get attached to them. And I don't necessarily, as much as you can say that, you know, anthropomorphizing to a certain degree is bad. And obviously, there's a lot of emotion here around an animal that can't reciprocate that emotion. I completely understand that. It doesn't take away the fact that people spend years raising these animals up. And to know, and, and I want to point out, there's a there's a happy ending to this story that I won't read the whole, the whole message, but it did turn out to have a much more happy ending than we originally thought. It's difficult for people to send out their spiders when the message they receive through media, most of the time through YouTube, through comments, is that the males are disposable. That's all back to what I was saying with the original point of this podcast. That's sad because look at what the effect that has. Not only are you teaching when you show stuff like that, not only are you teaching folks that are brand new to the hobby that, hey, this is okay if they die. If you sit there with your phone, you're drinking a beer, you're hanging out with your friends and the spider die, you get a good giggle out of it, you move on, who cares? That sends a bad message to not only people that don't necessarily care much about the animals that agree with that and are like, yeah, I'm throwing my mail. I don't need the mail. But it also sends a message to those who care about their animals. And I don't think that's anything to be made fun of. It's, I think, admirable that we care so much about these creatures that most people loathe to feel that conflicted when we send them off, knowing that in, in this case, knowing, and I put knowing in quotes, that they're going to die because that's the message we've been sent. You send a male off, it's going to die. They're going to breed it, they're going to breed it, they're going to breed it, and so eventually he's going to get eaten. So I do feel terrible here because I've been there. I've had males that I've raised up that I adore that I've had a hard time parting with. Luckily, they've all been species that are fairly prevalent in the hobby, so I didn't have to have the guilt for not spreading those genes or getting more of them in the hobby. But I have held on to things because, hey, I've spent like Talked about my G poker. I've spent years. It was a birthday gift. I spent years raising him up. I don't want to take the chance of him getting into somebody's hands and getting killed. Or I've had ones where I send them off and I never find out what happened to the mail. <laughs> like it's it, that can happen. So I do feel bad, and I think that's a part of this. Is kind of two different sides of it. There's one the real. All right, it's biological. This is what they're supposed to do. It's natural. If the mail gets eaten, fine. And then there's the other side where it's that may be. But this is a, a pet that I grew up, raised, cared for, especially if it's your first one. I, I didn't breed the queen, my G. Porteri, and I had many offers over the years for males to, to pair her because I was afraid. I've had her so long. I was afraid if something went wrong with the breeding or the pairing, I would lose her. It wasn't worth it to me. So I understand this. I do understand this. And despite the misgivings, Masami sent it off. And the good news is I encourage Mosami to reach out and just find out if it's really bothering them that much. And the response was he was attacked by the female, but they got him away. He's still alive. They're still trying pairings. He's doing his thing. He's living. So it, there's a situation where it's like you assume the worst, but it sounds like whoever's doing the pairing, because their little spiders knows what they're doing and is protecting the male. So as a result... He's going to get more chances to try to procreate. So happy ending this story. And I know there's going to be people out there kind of going, oh, come on, it's a spider. 
there are a lot of people out there that, again, we need people like that because that's the type of attitude that gets other people to go, wait a minute, how can they, you know, sometimes they look at us like we're weird, but other times they're like, well, how can they really care that much about a spider? And it opens their mind a little bit. So I appreciate the comments, awesome comments. Uh, really, I think it adds to the, the discussion and the fact that, you know, bottom line, let's get rid of this idea that they're expendable. Let's try to protect them. Sometimes it, it happens, and I will concede that because I know somebody will take this and go, Tom says it should, they should never die. That's not what I'm saying at all. I've had it happen with me. I had poor Mr. Spookley, the Hopalobus species Columbia Large, that ended up getting eaten. I felt terrible for it, but he did impregnate her. We did get a bunch of babies out of it, so it worked, but I do my best to split them up. Sometimes it's possible. Sometimes it's not, but it's better than not trying at all. So for the next one, this is going to be kind of a mixed bag. I warned you guys ahead of time because I had some, I, I really wanted to get back to the on podium site and talk about some of the comments there. We also have a couple smaller topics and questions from listeners that I wanted to cover. So it's going to be kind of a mixed bag. It'll be fun trying to title this one because I know people get upset when I put a title and they start to listen to the podcast and it's like, wait a minute, we're not even covering this topic. It's tough. Like you can only put so much in the title and sometimes it's just, you have one of those episodes where you bounce around. So I'm warning everybody ahead of time. First one's about death and not just death. We've done the death thing before, but the death when you know that you are responsible for it, you have done something, your negligence has led to the death of an animal. And I'm going to read this one because this one kind of broke my heart because I felt really, really bad. I'm going to use the person's first name. I'm not sure, again, if it's male or female. It's, you'll see it's one of those names that it could go either way. So let me apologize now if I screw it up. But anyway, this one kind of hit me because I, I felt bad. I, I really felt bad. So I'm going to skip the first paragraph because they're just saying very, very kind words about the podcast and such. So let's just skip right to the question. Perhaps my question would make an interesting podcast episode. How do you come to terms with and sure yourself up when tragic accidents happen? Recently, I went to rehouse my female G. pulchra and accidentally didn't remove the clear lid on my catch cup, which resulted in me crushing my poor tarantula and rupturing her abdomen. She died a few days later. I'm absolutely devastated and ashamed that I could be so stupid. She was my first tarantula and I'm struggling to come to terms with her loss, especially when it was over something so basic. I haven't been able to tell anyone about it. I would never post online about it because I know that people on arachnoboards especially would jump all over me immediately. I look around at the rest of my collection and I feel like getting out of the hobby completely. Once again, massive thanks to both you and Billy for all you do for the hobby. All the best, Chris. So Chris hits us with an interesting one here because I'm, I'm assuming, and I did the same thing. I had to try to visualize what was going on. And I picture the catch cup with the plastic, and then I picture somebody trying to, you know, you quickly go to cup the spider, not realizing that there's plastic there, not seeing it. It's an honest mistake. And unfortunately, and one of the, my comment back to her, or to him, was along the lines that we're all human. We all make mistakes. That said, making a mistake and painting your house the wrong color or breaking a piece of furniture or hitting something in the road and popping a tire is a little different than a mistake that directly causes the death of a living animal. And I think that's why these situations are so difficult. And I think I would like to think the majority of us in the hobby, if we've been in the hobby long enough, have had one of these instances where we've done something that we can look at it and go, I killed this animal. This is 100% my fault. One of those moments where you want to go, but you wish you could go back and shake yourself and go, what do you think you're doing? It, it comes with the hobby. And I've unfortunately, and I think this is kind of a, a two-part issue here. 
One is the fact, and we'll talk about this first. How do you forgive yourself? How do you get over it when you, because if you're like me, and I've, I've said this many, many times, I perseverate over every death of every tarantula. Sometimes there's ones I, I can't figure out what I did, but I always, immediately, my first reaction is always to blame myself. What did I do? This thing died. What could I have done better for it? Did I keep it wrong? Did I feed it? You go through everything. Is the soil wrong? You try to, I, I don't know, this is me. I try to find some reason or something that I did that could be changed. Because again, I always find that if something like this happens and you can figure it out and you did attribute to it, yes, it sucks. Yes, it feels terrible. But you you can grow from it. There's there's the ability to grow and change your husbandry, make improvements, grow. It means the death at least has meaning. It's not just the spider died, can't figure out what happened, oh, move on, and nothing is gleaned from it. I like those, I okay, like probably too strong of a word. I feel better with ones where I can sit down and go, there can be some, something can be changed here. I've often shared the story of the Afonapelma annex I had as a sling that I did not keep correctly and it ended up expiring. Same thing with the second one. It was on the same track and I made a change and immediately it flourished. And that was an eye opener for me. And eye opener first, because I was like, oh, now I know how to keep these correctly. And the second eye-opening moment was not so nice. It was like I was directly responsible for the first one's death. I will share another story that I don't know if I – I planned on sharing this in a podcast, and I think I got caught off guard and didn't end up sharing. But it's an example of me doing something that I screwed up, and it cost me a spider. And I'm still upset about it. I still haven't forgiven myself for it. A year or so ago, I was able to get a bee, Brocky Ramosa sling, little tiny guy or gal – Really excited about this species. I'd seen pictures. It was dying to grow one up. So we pick one up. We'll call it she. We'll just go she. I'm not sure what it was. But anyway, I was raising the spider up, and there was a couple times where I had some issues with it. First time, it was it, there was a mold outbreak, and I know it was that yellow stuff, but it was so bad that I wanted to get it out of the enclosure. So I ended up having to do an emergency rehouse for it, put it in a new enclosure. And then something else happened. I forget. I ended up rehousing again. And basically, I felt bad for the thing because it was getting disrupted. But it was doing well. It was growing. It had molted. The last time I saw it, it came out. It had some blue on it. I'm like, oh, this is great. The next molt should probably bring a lot more of the blue. I'll start seeing some of those adult colors even more. So feeding time comes around. And normally with my smaller slings, I feed them. The red runner roaches I love for feeding the smaller things. They're less likely to bite or do anything. Sometimes you just pre-kill them, drop them in there, they eat. Or you drop a baby in, they eat. I went to go feed her and I didn't have any smaller red runner roaches. And so basically what I did is I had some crickets. I took a small cricket. Now, at this point, she was burrowing and she had built one of those little kind of, it was almost like a turret around the moss and it was open. So I'm like, she's ready to eat. Let's get her some food. So I dropped the cricket in and closed the container. And usually what I do is I wait. And if the spiders come out and grab them right away, that's fine. If they don't, I put them aside. And then at the end, when I'm done feeding after a couple hours, if the thing isn't gone, I will either take it out or if I'm starting to worry, like, all right, could they possibly be in primo? I will take the prey at them. I will kill it, leave it at the roof of the burrow. So a little tip for you. And then the next day I check. If it's gone, okay, they're still eating. If it's not gone, then I know that it's probably in primo. I take it out. And I wait a couple weeks to try again. This time, I don't know what happened. I dropped the cricket in. I closed it. I was sure she would eat. It was a small, small cricket, smaller than she should have, you know, required and I left. So the next day I come out and I'm shining the flashlight around I'm like, oh, that's right. Let me see if she ate the cricket. 
and I shine the light in and she's up top and it is immediately apparent that she is freshly molted. And I'm like, that's not good. Why did she molt up top? Like she had the burrow. They always molt in the burrow and they throw it out. And I'm like, that's really not good. What happened to that cricket? So I take the enclosure out. It was a little, I believe it was a 20 ounce deli cup. I popped the top off and it was awful. She was spread out. She was still somewhat alive. She was missing two legs. And the cricket was over in the corner on the top of the burrow with one of the legs. So apparently what had happened, she had molted. She had not closed off her burrow like they usually do. The cricket had probably, this is what I guess had happened. The cricket had gone down into the burrow, found her. It looks like it attacked her. She climbed her way out of the burrow because the molt wasn't out there. It was just her. And then basically it was within an hour she had expired, probably from the trauma and the hemolymph loss. She died. The cricket was ceremoniously executed. I was so upset. Like, and this is something I, in my mind, it was an honest mistake. But when you can look at something like, and it still bothers me. This was a while. This might have been the end of last year. It still bothers me. I was able to get some P. Brocky Ramosa recently, and it was still in the back of my mind. Like, do I even deserve these? Because I killed the other one. Cause in my mind, that was my fault. I know better. I've been telling people for years, do not leave live prey items in there. Normally I don't, I have, and I don't know what I was thinking. I think it was just because the burrow was open. I had seen her the day before. I assumed she'd be hungry. If you drop them in and they're just not eating, they just kick the cricket out. But if you drop them in and they're in the process of molting, yes, the crickets will go. They like the moisture. They will go for that. So that's what happened. So yes, there is proof that I've had people tell me before that doesn't really happen. It can happen. Crickets can attack, eat, and kill a molting tarantula. And having been in the hobby as long as I have, I should have known better. I've warned people over years, but it happens. I'm human. Luckily, this stuff doesn't happen a lot. Luckily, I can you know talk about the number of really stupid mistakes I've made on one hand minus a couple fingers, but the ones you do make stick with you, and I get that feeling of all of a sudden the hobby, for me what happens is the hobby loses some of its fun for a bit because we do this because it brings us enjoyment. A lot of this is to keep these animals. It's therapy. I can't tell you. I have to do an episode on the number of people with either mental illness or addiction issues or just bad periods in their life that use these animals as a way to keep themselves up. It's it's really amazing and something I've the problem is on my end I'm having a hard time trying to articulate how to approach this because it's it's really insane how many people use these animals as a way to get through the day and to pull themselves out of really bad situations. So what happens is when the thing that you use to relax, to feel better about yourself becomes a stressor that that's a terrible situation. That's a terrible predicament to be in. And I've been there when you've like, when I lost all those tarantulas because of the substrate, I went through a point where suddenly the hobby wasn't fun anymore because I'm freaking out about it. So I get where Chris is right now with that. I did this. I don't deserve these animals. Cause that's what I started doing. Like you don't deserve these. You, what, what are you doing with these guys? You, you can't even, you can't, you make a simple mistake. It's something, you know, that could come back and hurt your animal and you do that, how can you live with yourself after that? It's tough. And I know there's the people that can just move on. Something dies. Oh, this happened. Sorry. I've seen ones where it's like, oh, apparently there wasn't enough water in there. I'll have to keep them moist next time. And they just move on. I wish in some ways I could do that and feel less crappy about the whole thing. So Chris, the good news is you will get, it does get easier as you go. I mean, I found for me, 
it usually for a week or so when something happens, when I lose something. And in this case, this one really stung. So this one took a little longer, but it takes a couple of weeks to kind of start getting over it. Cause the problem is you got to just kind of forgive yourself and recognize I messed up. I won't do it again. That's what I told myself. I've ne- since that point, I don't leave anything. If I don't see them grab it immediately, the thing gets killed or stunned. And then I put it in there. I'm not leaving any lie prey in there for any amount of time anymore because when you have a lot, you tend to forget, you know, yep, I'm going to go back afterwards. And usually what I do is I leave them out on the table. I have the table that I walk around with and feed. And for this, for some reason, for this case, I put it back on the shelf, wasn't thinking and then forgot about it all on me, but I had to get over it because I have a lot of other animals that are depending on me. So Chris, the situation sounds horrible. I can't even imagine. I mean, in mine, I was directly, but I didn't witness the death. I didn't, something, my hand didn't cause the death. I can't imagine. I have had a situation in the past. Here's another one, similar situation. I've heard from other people that have had this situation. You go to close an enclosure quickly because the spider's bolting and you catch the spider in it. I caught a leg once years ago of a spider. It was trying to bolt out. I'm like, oh, got to close this, close the thing, caught its leg, it ripped its leg off. Felt terrible. That, and then, after I felt terrible about it, I thought if that spider's abdomen had been in there, I would have done the exact same thing and killed the spider. And I've spoken to many people over the years that have done the exact thing, same thing. One person was so upset that they basically caught three or four legs on one side in the container when they closed it and they didn't know it. And they came back the next day, found the spider on the ground. The spider did live, but felt horrible because they recognized they did it. I, the people that handle, and this isn't an anti-handling thing, but it's something you need to consider. I've had several instances over the years with people who are handling their spiders and suddenly the spider bolts, lands on the floor, ruptures his abdomen and it's dead. There was one person, I believe it was a, a T. albopilosis, and I think it was a young lady was distraught. She had had it for years. She had held it for years. Very docile animal, dead. That's tough to come back from because you can't, the good thing is when something dies and you don't know what caused it, there is, it is much easier to go, okay, it wasn't my fault. There was nothing I could do about it. That's when you get the, oh, it's a sling, they die, or that's a spiders die. But when you know that something you did led to that, that's a tough one to get over. And I think part of getting over it sometimes is talking to other people about it and having them assure you or at least feel bad with you. I know Billy's my go-to if something dies. I come down and I'm like all distraught, like, yeah, this one died. I can't figure it out. Or the one with that one got eaten. I came down and I was really, really upset and upset with myself that it happened. And sometimes just talking about it helps. But what happens is a lot of us don't have people in our lives that we can go to talk to. You call up your buddy, you know, hey, man, I just killed my spider. Okay, so I get another one. They don't get it. So you want to go online and talk to it. You want to go on a Facebook group or a forum. And unfortunately, everybody knows how that turns out. People get decimated when they do something stupid because suddenly people don't remember that it can happen. And it literally can happen. We all mess up up we all do it I mess up we all do it it's going to happen it happens in real life with car accidents and things of like that and we all do stuff and mess up that's that's the bottom line and I think the problem is we're extra passionate about it and I think the reason why it's tough to put this on the boards is because people will see this and they immediately feel terrible for the animals if you love animals you don't want to hear a dead animal story I I'll share this one really quick. Every school year, I begin the year asking kids questions about themselves, and we have a long conversation and talk about ourselves. And one of the questions is, do you have any pets, and what are they? And I, it, the running joke is, 
every single time somebody breaks out a sad animal story. Nobody likes to hear sad animal stories. I always announce now, listen, tell me about your pets, only the living runs and no sad stories because I don't want to hear about Fluffy going out in the snow and getting eaten by a coyote or your uncle accidentally putting the puppy in the dryer when he was clear. I I don't want to hear it. You should hear the stuff you hear, but it makes me angry. And I get that reaction when I hear those things like, how do you not notice the dogs in the dryer? How do you not notice your dogs laying underneath the back tire? We all do it. And I'm guilty of it as well. When you hear a story and you go, my God, how did you do that? And then we forget that we're human. We we make mistakes. We mess up. Nobody's infallible. But the unfortunate part is when it, when it costs an animal its life, and there are those of us that are passionate about animals. It makes us angry. I know we're all, I, I willing to bet the majority of people listening to this right now are the type where they hear something about animal cruelty or something that makes them so angry, so angry. And unfortunately, we can't help it because that's our gut instinct. An animal was suffering, an animal was killed. But in situations like this, it's a legitimate accident. And the person in a, in a perfect world, people should be able to come forward and get consoled by other people that actually care about the animals. It's not like they did it on purpose. It's not like they were doing something ridiculous or stupid with the animals and it ended up in them dying. It wasn't like they were filming a video and the animal bounced out of the cage and hit the floor and, and splatted, which I've seen that before. They made a legitimate mistake by not removing that cap, that cover on that catch cup, and it led to that. And unfortunately, if that gets posted up online, people they feel that gut instinct. How could you do that? What? Who does something like that? They can't just see again. Accidents happen, and then they get riled up, and then you know what happens online. When one person comes out with something snarky, then the next person comes out with something snarky. All of a sudden, everybody just, that's the mood, the climate of the responses. So everybody jumps in, you get the poor person like, come on, give them a break. But whoever posts it ends up walking away feeling terrible about themselves instead of having folks go, hey, man, that's terrible. I feel, obviously, you won't do that again. You'll know in the future. It's a freak accident. It is. It's a freak accident. I'm sure. I have never heard of that happening before. Has it happened? I'm sure it probably has. It's something I've just never thought about. But if you're using something that has a cap, you forget to take the cap off, it can happen. So I do appreciate how you're you're in the moment. You're setting up. You're excited, especially if it's your, I'm assuming this person hasn't been in the hobby for very long. They probably haven't done a lot of these rehousings. They probably don't have an amazing wife who's sitting right there next to them to tell them, hey, you need this. Or if anybody's seen my video of me rehousing the Pisolotheria Metallica, she was the one reminding me to put the cap back on the whole time, which could have been bad. Like, if you don't have those types of things, accidents can happen. So I I think it's a shame. I get it. I'm not an idiot. I get why people would jump all over this, but I do think it's a shame that we can't be a little more forward and come out with some of the deaths, why people are afraid to put their deaths up. This goes further than just accidents. I've alluded to this issue before where people experience a death in their collection. They post something up and they have a bunch of people start yelling at them for their care. And I've seen those examples where somebody goes, I don't get it. I kept it the right way. And it's the avicularia in the like enclosure that's dripping with water and everybody gets mad. We know the information out there. Yelling at that point does nothing. It's not going to bring the animal back. It is not going to make the individual suddenly go, oh my gosh. However, being polite about it and being like, all right, here's the deal. You made kind of one of the... The more common mistakes with these species, here's some good information on how to keep them next time. Keep them hooked. It's like, and again, I think it's because I'm a teacher and that's part of it. If, if a kid does something wrong, you go, what do you you, you idiot? What are you doing? I just taught this 10 minutes ago. They're going to tune out. They're never going to listen to a word you say. If you go, all right, I see what you did there. That's, that's kind of a common mistake, but hear me out. If you Like earlier, I was explaining, and then you show it to them in a polite way so they don't feel stupid 
or if you had somebody that messed up and you've done something that was similar, share it with them. Nothing makes people relax more and feel better and trust you more than when you can kind of share that, hey, you know what? I've done something like that. Suddenly they don't feel judged because they know you can sympathize with them. And I wish we could see more of that because I've seen situations on the boards where people have posted stuff and I know darn well other people have done the exact same thing, but they were probably jumped on when they did it. So now they're going to jump on the other person and nothing's gained from it. And again, it all comes back to just treating each other with respect. I know it's a pipe dream because people will people. I've said that a million times before and it's going to happen. You're going to post something like... When Chris mentioned arachnoboards, I started sweating, just thinking of the responses that they probably would have received with that post, sadly. And I'm again, I have not heard of this particular one before. I'm willing to bet other people have had similar situations. And again, I point to the, the very common mishap where folks slam you know, lids on or doors of enclosure shut. We just had somebody that had one of the magnetic lid sling enclosures. And the sling, as they went, because if you have those things, those magnets pull that that cover down quickly. And the sling was starting to come out, and they dropped it down, and it caught two of the spider's legs in it. And it's one of the reasons I have two of them. I got to be very, very careful when I'm using them, because once it gets to be about half inch, a quarter of an inch away, that thing just sucks that that cover right down on it. And if there's a spider there, it's not going to move for it. So we've all been there. And I think that's part of the problem is that we aren't able to kind of come together when something like this happens and support each other and recognize that, yes, there might've been some negligence. Yes, it was unfortunate. And yes, we can point to the keeper as being solely responsible for this death. You you take the keeper out of the situation, the spider lives. You take me out of the situation with feeding my brachyromosa, the spider lives. I think we can look at stuff like that, and I get how the initial reaction is, how could you do that? But let's take a step back next time that happens and think about ourselves and the things that we've done. Or the things that, and I've talked about people with this before, sometimes it's not that it happened, but it was a close call. I've spoken to many people that have had situations where it's like, I almost dropped the spider or I almost slammed the spider in there. And there are close calls. You got lucky. This person didn't. There's a very, you know, maybe in a different day, they went to go put the cup down there. And as they're putting it down, the light catches that lid. They go, whoa, the lid's on there. And they stop. And unfortunately, it didn't happen this time. First tarantula, female species that's hard to raise up and t- or at least takes a long time to raise up. This is heartbreaking. So, Chris, yes, it stinks. Yes, I'm not going to tell you. There's nothing I can magically say to make the guilt go away because if you're like me, you're going to you're going to carry that with you. But if anything, allow it to have purpose. Now you're going to have a when you go to do rehousings and you're setting up for them, this would be something a little mental checklist, just something to make sure next time that if you use that same container that you make sure you take the top off. These are little things that happen. A lot of us, is we learn from mistakes. Human beings have to make mistakes. That's how we learn. We learn from mistakes. Sometimes the mistakes don't have very costly consequences. Sometimes they have very costly consequences. The trick is, can we learn from? Make it a learning experience. And that's the other tragedy in the fact that people can't share these types of things because a lot of times one person's mess up could save other spiders. Somebody could come out, like for example, with those magnetic lids. That could be something that other people hear about and go, I got to be extra careful my spider's not in the way when I drop this lid down because it's going to come down hard. That could save some lives. If that spider had gotten caught in there and died and somebody had shared that, it could save some lives. It It can be a learning experience for others. We have to make our mistakes valuable. I think that's the trick to it. When you screw up, you learn from it, you share that experience with others. It's like the folks that dropped the tarantulas when they were handling them. 
That's something that a lot of people need to hear because I've had folks tell me, I've handled this for four years. She's never bolted. Okay. She's never bolted until she's bolted. I see like, I just saw a video with somebody at an expo that was handling the tarantula up over like at least three or four feet above the ground. And it made me so nervous because that tarantula bolts, it's dead. And so people need to hear that just so they at least, in the very least, if they're going to handle fine, take the precautions, do it on the floor. Don't free handle standing up in the air where the spider could go up your arm or jump off, whatever. Make sure the spider is as safe as it can possibly be while you're handling. That's good information to get out there. But nobody, the people that emailed me about these situations where the spiders drop did not want to go public with it because they knew they were going to get torn apart. And that's sad. I mean, I get we all want to sit there and go, we told you, don't handle. We told you, no, that, drop it. The damage has been done. I'm going to go out on a limb and say some of these people will never handle again because of the terrible experience. Anyway, it's valuable information. So it's kind of a two-parter. First part is we have to, as long as you're not, if you're having, the only time I would draw a line in the sand and go, all right, you kind of earn this, is there are all those always those situations where somebody comes out and they're on the boards and they're like, I lost this one. I lost this one. I just did this. I just, and they're, they, they're like almost serial killers of tarantulas because they keep making the same mistakes that end up with the spiders dying. That's frustrating. That's frustrating for me. That's something where they're almost, they've earned some admonishment because you can't keep making the same mistakes and killing things. However, somebody coming forward and saying, this happened to me, believe me, I'm beating myself up over it, but I'm sharing it because maybe somebody can glean something for it. That's important. That's how we learn. That's how we remind in some cases. The handling one, it's a reminder to folks, if you're going to handle, make sure you're putting that spider in a situation where it's not going to die. That's like a big reminder or a reminder of why handling is risky. That's important information. But if we're afraid to share it, it doesn't get out there. If we jump on people, it doesn't get out there. They just drives them away. So I do think that's a big part of this because I'm guessing that if Chris could have put this out there and had a lot of people go, hey, you know what? It's awful. I feel like I said, I feel terrible for him or her. I feel awful about it. That's got to be a terrible situation. I've been there. But now the next step is learn from it to move on. Don't leave the hobby. It's it's a sad story. It's probably there's all you're going to always be reminded of it. I know the ones that I lose. I don't forget about them. But how, use it to make yourself a better keeper. Use it to make sure something like that doesn't happen again. And hopefully by me talking about it during the podcast, some folks that maybe this could have happened to will be thinking about it. I've never thought I have used deli cups before. And it's funny, now that I'm thinking about this, I've grabbed deli cups. I used to have deli cups all over the place. I remember one time grabbing a deli cup that I was going to use as an enclosure and it had the lid on it. And I grabbed it, flipped it over, and I looked, and I was like, oh, the lid's on. And I took it off. That could have easily have been me just slamming it down there. So it's as much as people are going to be out there going, how does that happen? It could happen. So, Chris, you're going to feel bad for a while, but do not leave the hobby. It's, it's, I've seen much more egregious examples of keeper negligence than that. It's going to hurt. It's an animal, obviously, you. it's an important animal. Everybody's first tarantula is an important animal, especially if they get really into the hobby. It's going to sting. It's going to haunt you a bit. I think that's the best word for it. I get haunted by the mistakes I make. Like, they go away, but they're always there. But don't, just use that to become a better keeper. Use it to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Chalk it up to it was a bad day, a bad set of circumstances, and try to move on and, and keep collecting don't let it potentially ruin the hobby for you because that would be the true tragedy if, if it happened 
and you're like, that's it. I'm getting rid of these. I can't stand Logan. Don't do that. I would, my thing was, I, I would encourage you to find a replacement. I know you're never going to be able to replace that girl, probably very special, but get another G Polkra. Try to find a, a suitable replacement and then raise her, hopefully her. I know you want a female up and then have that just be like something good come out of it. You can look at that spider one day and go, yep, I, I lost first, but look at, I've Learn from my mistakes. But I think, again, and then for folks out there, when you see somebody post something, let's let's be a little more open-minded. Let's be a little more sympathetic. I know it may be something that because of the way you do husbandry or rehousing or whatever, you may look and go, that could never happen to me. That may be. But we've all, if anybody's been in the hobby for any length of time, I think we all have our little moments where we didn't do our best. Sometimes they work out. We have a close call. I know I've had many. Sometimes they don't work out and you have a situation where the spider dies and it's and it's basically you're culpable for it. That's tough. But again, we can't learn from it if we don't share it. So Chris, I do hope that makes you feel a bit better. I do hope I get an update from you saying that, you know, a couple weeks from now, whatever, that you've moved on and tell me about some of the new things you picked up. Let's get away from the negativity. There's only so much. It's one of those accidents that it's done. And I'm going to go out and limb and say it will never happen again. So let's move on from it and try to get, you know, the enjoyment back to the hobby. It may take a little while, but I, if you're like me, it will eventually come back. You'll feel better about it. And then you just move on from there. And again, for the rest of you guys, just let's just be civil to each other. It's the biggest issue I have. And I know it's unrealistic and I know it's in all hobbies. It's everywhere. Every, I, you name a hobby, there are people that argue and get nasty about it. It's it's just the nature of human beings. But I'd love to see a lot more just civility in the hobby, especially when it comes to this type of stuff. And while talking about this, I have a challenge for you guys. Now that we've got the working comment system, and now that we've talked a bit about mistakes that we've made, or I've talked a bit about mistakes I've made and some other people have made, that either injured a spider or led to the death of the spider, who's brave enough out there to admit theirs? I think, obviously, anybody that's posting on any video or podcast, I'm, I don't put up with nasty comments and stuff, so I think it should be a very safe area. But if you guys could, I would love for folks to chime in with some of the things they've done, as bad as they may be. I think something like that would be very powerful for somebody that, like... Chris, who has had a situation like this, or like me even, where I had the situation with dropping the cricket in, it would be worth it. And I think helpful for people to read stuff like this, even if it's a different situation to read something like this. We've had escapes. That's another big one. People will have escapes. It happens. I had one. It happens. But let's share this. I would. I think it would be a very, very powerful thing to have folks go on, just lay it out there, bear it out and say, this is what happened to me. This is what I did. This is the mistake I made that, you know, I lost the spider, either lost it as in got out and escaped or lost as it died or lost leg. Let's share these experiences so that maybe folks who seek out this podcast or listen to this podcast when something's gone wrong and it's cost them the lives of one of their animals can at least take solace in the fact that others have experienced the same thing. And in some cases, I'm assuming that your stories like mine have a lesson to be learned. There's something, there's a warning there for other folks. Be careful. This can happen. The screen tops is a big one. There's a, let's throw it out there. What are some of the mistakes? You've ignored something. You did something wrong. What are they? I challenge everybody to come out. I've shared mine. I've shared two of mine. I think maybe even three of mine in this one. I've shared the leg one. I've shared the 
P. Rocky Ramosa one. I've shared the one with the Annex where I didn't keep it correctly and it resulted in a death. I'm throwing it out there. Let's hear the rescues. I would love to see a bunch of comments on this of just folks telling those bad things of what they learned. What'd you learn from it? That would be great. I mean, let's remedy the fact that we don't feel comfortable putting this stuff online because people are going to break out the torches and pitchforks. Let's break it out in a safe area because I can promise if somebody goes on there and makes fun of somebody, they're going to hear it from me and we're going to delete the comment after they hear it from me. I don't see that happening though. I have a lot of great people that comment and support my channel and my podcast. So let's hear what you got guys. Let's blow that comment section up and have, I want something that I can point to because the other thing is, a lot of these, the comment sections can become a resource to me because when somebody comes to me with a question or a comment or something that happens, a lot of times I remember, oh, somebody commented about that in this on this video or, you know, sometimes the Facebook post for the podcast and I can point them that way so they can see somebody else went through the same thing. So let's do that here. And I'll go ahead and thank everybody ahead of time for doing this because I know nobody wants to put this stuff out there. And then maybe we'll talk a bit about it next week. I mean, I again, I want to keep and hopefully chime in if you like that format. I like having some connective threads between podcasts. It's one thing, I obviously they all mostly standalone. I try to come up with different topics and keep them interesting, but I do love the ability to go back and hear from people and then bring that discussion back into it. I think that makes these a lot more powerful, a lot more useful than just me going on for an hour and then move on to the next one. So we will continue with that format. We'll pick some comments and go through it. I'm Don't let me down. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I just hope we get some good ones because I'll be happy to share them next week and we can talk about that. And then just know from now on, actually, now that everybody's here and we're all talking about this, know from now on when I put a title on the podcast, that will be the main podcast topic there, but that we will most likely start the podcast by discussing some comments from the last episode. I think that's how we'll go format-wise moving ahead. So folks will be we'll know that when the title goes up there, that is coming, but we may start with something else first. There we go. Perfect. Some housekeeping. That will do it for this one, guys. As always, you can find me at tomsbigspiders.com. You can find me on YouTube. Last video was, what the heck did I do? For, oh, Zenestis Species Bright. I've been trying to do videos for each of the Zenestis species that I have. I have a bunch of them. What happens is I'll throw something up and say, basically, you can keep them all this way. And people are spending a lot of money on these. So they want to know that whatever you're talking about is specific to the species that they have. And I can totally appreciate that. So over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to try to nail, I think we got six different ones or seven different ones. We're going to try to get them all rehoused and talk about the care so people can feel confident keeping them. Because I do think these are spiders. Everybody should have one. I mean, if you're going to treat yourself next time you get the tax returns or somebody gives you a gift certificate for Christmas or something, definitely consider these guys because they are totally worth it. Uh, what else? And obviously, you can find me on TomsBigSpidersPodcast.com, which is where you can go to respond to this. And you'll be able to see that Zenestis video if you want. You can also comment on that, which is also another awesome thing, which I didn't realize. If you click on one of the videos, open it up, it allows you to comment right on the site on the video. You don't have to go to YouTube for it for those that may not like YouTube. Guys, that will do it for this one. As always, stay safe. We'll catch you all next time.